Welcome, Bird Gang, and welcome back, Victory Monday. Haven't had one of these in a while. Sounds like credit needs to be given to Buda Baker, who, according to several players, spoke up this week. Kyler Murray called it a look-in-the-mirror type speech. It worked. On today's show, there was a lot to like from Sunday. Two things in particular, though, stood out. Hassan Reddick, obviously, and the offense. It performed better. It looked better, too. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 370, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So big picture it for me, MJ. Looking back and now having a full 24 hours since week 14 came to a conclusion for the Cardinals with that 26-7 win at the New York Giants, what stood out to you? Just the way they responded. Um, Because you're on a three-game losing streak, Uh, we know that the offense hasn't been able to move the football or put up 400 points or, in in this case, you know, over 20 points. And so there was a lot of negativity last week. People were questioning, will this offense work, which is ridiculous. Um, And they're entitled to their opinions. And then, you know, um, they got a – you know, team's got a a beat on Kyler Murray. They know how to defend him now. Um, so I, I just like that they blocked out the noise. There was a lot of negativity and you cannot change your scheme during the season. And then it's always refreshing to hear, you know, how practice went. Now we can go back to other previous weeks. They had a good practice and maybe going to Carolina and took them flat. So, you know, there's gotta be carryover, but I like the fact that, you know, when we got a chance to talk to Buddha and some of the other players, it was about do your job. Okay. Just do your job. And it really was about execution, Craig, in that game. I mean, you go back to last week, the Rams had a ton of first downs, time of possession, and they were to move the football. The Cardinals were very similar. And let's be honest, I mean, even though their record may not reflect it, the Giants were playing for something. They were all of a sudden they won four in a row. Um, you know, this new defense they're playing, you know, it's going to be able to stop opponents. The Cardinals dictated the game like the Rams did a week ago. And when you're doing that, you're playing ahead of the sticks and the Cardinals did that. So I was impressed with the process. Um, they knew what was at stake. And I like the fact that they blocked out the noise because there was a lot of negativity last week. Like this team's going to lose out. And again, I, I think on this show, we always look ahead when it comes to schedule and in the division, but the whole thing was focus on the next game. And I think they did that. Cardinals answered the bell. And yes, the noise has certainly been quieted. I don't think it's been eliminated because now this team needs to stack on to this win. They need to go in and beat the Eagles. They need to go in and beat the 49ers and have a better effort against the Rams on the road to close out the regular season. But a lot of focus and a lot of attention about Hassan Reddick and the Cardinals offense. In my mind, MJ, you can't go wrong with either one. But the bigger story coming out of Sunday... Hassan Reddick, but the offense and what they were able to do, and it was just a slight tweak, a couple of different tweaks, but that might have been a turning point for them, and we'll have to see if they can completely turn the corner by what they do in these next couple of weeks. But let's focus on the story, because I don't know if there is a better story 
with regard to the Arizona Cardinals right now than Hassan Reddick. And it really is a story of perseverance. We've talked about him a lot here over the course of his career. You're talking about the former first-round draft pick, his fourth season, but his first year with the same head coach, the same defensive coordinator, the same defensive scheme, and knowing that he is only going to be asked to do one thing, and that is play outside linebacker. And I think the highlight for Reddick came Sunday, all of that hard work, and he is able now to have this moment, and we can all share in this moment because he allowed us to share in that moment, and I think that's important for everyone. Yeah, and we'll get into what he did in the game, but you know, after the game, he went over to the bench and he was emotional. And I think those tears were all coming out saying, I can do this. This is not just a one game because let's be honest, he didn't get, he hadn't had a sack since week seven. And, and so he, you know, we'll get into some of the details there, what he talked about, but I think all that emotion was, I can play in this league, you know, and I think he knew that initially, but you, you don't want to be a guy that's bounced around one year contracts here and there. Um, look at, you know, Steve would be the first to admit Steve kind the Cardinals general manager that, you know, they, they thought he would be able to rush the passer. He's undersized and it just didn't work out. And of course it didn't help with three different coordinators in three years. And so he worked hard, never complained. Um, you talked to him in the locker room. I noticed a lot of times you were talking to him, not with a microphone, just, hey, how's it going? Because we know that when Wilkes came in here and and they wanted to him to play inside and all this other stuff, and it wasn't his strength. But you got to do what the coaches say. You know, the, the whole idea is coaches put players in position to make plays, and that's why I give Vance a lot of credit. But, yeah, it couldn't happen to a better guy. You know, I know a lot of people are – you know, talking about they should re-sign him and all that other stuff. And, you know, Chandler Jones is going to be the priority going into the offseason in the final year. And then what do you do with Marcus Golden and Hassan Reddick? But the fact that here we are five years later and you're seeing it, and it's also a thing where, you know, people thought when they didn't pick up the fifth-year option, I never thought he was in jeopardy in training camp. They needed Hassan Reddick. I think we mentioned that just on a rotation base bring it in canard so great story but give him a lot of credit give vance and 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 the coaches credit because they believed in him and if you believe in a player he'll respond like he like he's done this year the one thing i like about and there's a lot of things to like about reddick he never focuses on the negativity he never uses anything as an excuse you talk to him either on or off the record it's all about the moment not what happened yesterday, last week, last season, two years ago. What can I do moving forward to make sure I'm a part of this defense and I'm a contributor on the defense? How can I get better? You mentioned it. He was asked to do something that perhaps he wasn't comfortable doing. You try to do it. You see if it works. It didn't work, so you adjust. It's unfortunate. Reddick is not the first player that this has happened to. He's certainly not the first first-round draft pick that this has happened to. But typically when this happens with a first-round draft pick, you're labeled a bust, you start to hear that noise, and you don't get heard from again. Redick, he is going to get that contract this offseason. Now, whether it comes from the Cardinals or someone else, I don't know. But he has certainly solidified himself this season 
that yes, he can play in this league and yes, he can have a successful career. We talked about it during the offseason, MJ. This was a make or break season for Hassan Reddick. And he is certainly making the most of his opportunity. And it is wonderful to see because he is a player that you can root for because he has gone through so much and now he has seen the light at the end of the tunnel. He's burst through that tunnel. I mean, he is now basking in all of this sunshine and all of the recognition, and he deserves every single moment and every single minute that he is getting this attention. And once probably Wednesday comes around, he'll put it aside and focus on the Eagles. Yeah, and I don't think anyone batted an eye when the Cardinals declined his fifth-year option. Usually it's a – and again, they had they had the body of work, but once again, he was playing out of position. So, you know, give him credit because basically, you know, he, whether he plays here or somewhere else, I mean, he, he, the film doesn't lie. And he's got 10 sacks, and we know they come in bunches, and he's got three games to go. Can you imagine this guy finishes 12 or 13 sacks? What do we talk about Jordan Phillips, what he did in one year? Different position, nine and a half sacks. It's intriguing from a, a D lineman standpoint. That was part of the conversation when the Cardinals signed him. You know, this guy's not just a run stuffer. He can get to the quarterback. So, and you look at a guy like Shaq um, Barrett, you know, what he did in one year, obviously, he had, you know, he had 19 and a half and, and the Bucks said, do it again. You know, so, um, you know, I don't know what the transition tag and, and the franchise tag and all that other stuff is. But again, Chandler Jones, the priority. And then you got to see what you want to do with Marcus Golden. They did sign Kennard, um, who's, you know, limited playing time with the addition of Golden. So but. Yeah, Charlie Bowles and, uh, you know, Billy Davis coaches the inside linebackers. Charlie coaches the outside. But according to Hassan, he went to Brinson Buckner and Charlie and Buck would know because he's played on the line and how to get to the quarterback. So they watched some film. And again, he hadn't had the sack since week seven. So a lot of the, uh, you know, preparation is during the week where on Sunday it comes natural to you. Reddick, after the game, said, quote, the game plan worked, end quote, with respect to working with Charlie Bullen and Brenson Buckner. And then Reddick added, quote, this is the first time I've ever had a game like this where everything was just working for me. I hit on all cylinders, end quote. And let's go through what Reddick was able to accomplish. Five sacks, a single game franchise record, first player to reach that number this season in the NFL. He doubled his season total to a team leading 10, and he added three forced fumbles. First player in NFL history since 2002 to have at least five sacks and three forced fumbles. Green Bay's Bonnie Holiday is the last player to do that, and you mentioned it. No sacks, not even a quarterback hit in his previous five games. You talk about a breakout performance. This is the perfect definition of breakout performance. And you know Reddick's not going to be satisfied. Not that he's going to try to get five sacks next week. But now it's, okay, I'm now on everyone's scouting report. Now it's up to me to show that I can adjust and figure out something else because he was going up against a solid tackle in Andrew Thomas. Now, a rookie, but certainly someone that the Giants are very high on and had been playing very well this season. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he was the first lineman off the board. I know the Cardinals really liked him but they had retained Justin Murray and, you know, probably had conversation with Marcus Gilbert. And then the Cardinals decided 
all right, we're going to go a different direction and they get Josh Jones in the third round. So uh, I know he was ranked very high and everyone thought because of his career and how many years he played, he was NFL ready from day one. Now, obviously when you hire a new head coach and you got the young quarterback and you got St. Quan Barkley, you want to start building that lineup. And in previous, I mean, he was his, his number and both tackles were really over a hundred um, when it came to protecting Colt McCoy in Seattle. So, you know, and, and the sun's undersized and, you know, Andrew Thomas, he's, he's, he's got a good body type. I mean, you remember being at the combine and looking at him. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to where it's one week to another, but, you know, I, I thought all week, you know, once he started practicing, and then you start to worry about, you know, a hamstring injury. And I, I wonder, you know, after the game, Judge said he had no regrets uh, playing him. He, you know, obviously they want him to get reps before they go into the offseason. But they may have been better off with Colt McCoy, but that's their loss because I didn't, I didn't realize this until uh, this morning. He didn't run at all. No rushing attempts for Daniel Jones, and I guess that's the first time this season he has not had a rushing attempt. But with a hamstring injury, you're limited. The Cardinals know firsthand. Kyler Murray, Week 17 against the Rams last year, unable to be Kyler Murray. The Rams knew it, and it completely changed the ball game going into that contest. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, you know, you, you see coaches on the field, and a lot of times the head coaches will shake, and then maybe a special teams coach worked for you before. But I can tell you this, when I did sidelines, I can't tell you how many GMs, uh, pro personnel guys are watching the other teams in warm us, Craig, because you see the film, now you want to match the body, and you want to see, you know, a scout can tell what his skill set is. How does he turn his hips if he's a corner? How does he run his routes? And there's a reason why they're out there before the game, because maybe they see something on film that they don't see in the same player. And maybe the Cardinals were able to, to see maybe when he was work, you know, warming up from a standpoint of maybe he's not as moving as well as we watched the film uh, a couple of weeks ago. The other note on Reddick, four of his five sacks came in the fourth quarter. You talk about the benefit of playing with a lead. Cardinals entered the fourth quarter with a 20-7 to seven advantage. You make the opponent one-dimensional. They have to drop back. And all of a sudden, as you hear it, it's cliche, but it's true. Defenders pin their ear back and all of a sudden rush the quarterback. And Reddick had a sack, at least one sack, in the final three possessions of the Giants, including two on the last drive. And it was his strip sack that knocked the ball out of McCoy's hands. And the Cardinals were able to recover and run out the clock with three kneel downs. So, yeah, complimentary football. Offense get a lead. The defense can certainly be a lot more aggressive in their play calling. And I think that is something that needs to be pointed out to as well, because it's been a while since we've seen this Cardinals team play with a lead and a sizable lead at that. Yeah, it was 20 nothing, 23-7, 26-7 was the final. You know, uh, you know, I think they got lucky a few times when Kenyon Drake put the ball on the carpet. Yep. That, and, and earlier in the game, I noticed he was he was holding his hand. So I don't know, but uh, when you have a lead like that at, at that time of the game, you got to put both hands on the football because the only way they're going to get the ball out is they're going to try to punch it out, unless you obviously turn it over uh, with an interception. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact in, in that third quarter, Cardinals went on 11 play drive, 77 uh, yards, 608. And that was the one yard Kenyon Drake touchdown. And then uh, that's when the Giants uh, countered with that uh, Lewis one yarder. Um, but that was pretty much it. But, you know, I was a little disappointed early on, though, in the game when it was only six nothing, though. Because I'm like, as, as, as well as they played, you know, moving the ball, but then they settle for field goals. I'm like, if the Giants score a touchdown, all of a sudden it's seven six, you know, and then and then they're playing it close to the vest. And I do think teams want to keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines. A team like the Giants, they don't want to get into a shootout. You know, they went on 17-12 last week. They scored seven points. They haven't scored scored a, a lot of touchdowns this year. But you know, we'll get into the red zone because when you play against better teams, you better make sure you take care of business in the red zone. And you know, special teams was really effective much better than a week ago Andy Lee and you know Christian Kirk and and just the the coverage units so you know give those guys credit and and Mike Nugent I mean he did his job all three phases had a hand in Sunday's contest and you look at the defense overall they set season best in points total net yards first downs yards per play allowed remember the Giants only had 58 yards in the first half they ran their first play in Cardinals territory with just over seven minutes to go in the third quarter. And that touchdown drive, the only touchdown drive they had in the game, following that possession, they totaled 26 yards on 17 plays. Wow. So Vance Joseph certainly dialed it up. And you can say what you want about the Giants offense. Not a great offense as far as putting points on the board. But the one thing the Giants offense had been able to do was run the football seven straight games of 100 yards or more. They were held to 78 on Sunday. Take away the run, make a team one-dimensional. Daniel Jones in the pocket. He gives the ball up a lot. Cardinals were able to get two takeaways offensively and, of course, the one on special teams. But, yeah, the defense, I think, really was able to set the tone for the overall outcome of Sunday's game. Yeah, and at some point in the game, the Cardinals were about 44 43% on third down. As the game went on, they finished 7 of 18 for 39%. Um, the Giants were only 3 for 12. But the Cardinals ran 79 offensive plays. The Giants ran 49. The Cardinals ran the ball 43 times. Just think about that. They ran the ball 43 times, and they only had 49 offensive plays. You're able to dictate and the Cardinals had been dictated to the last couple of weeks. No doubt. That it was reversed, like the Rams dictated. You know what I mean? Um, so when you start looking at that, I, that's why I like the fact that, you know, Kyle Murray was under center, and you got some uh, you, little deep dive there, and I want you to tell uh, us because I, I think it's important to have some content here, uh, context, and, and from that standpoint of, you know, there were some things that they did a little bit different, even though Kingsbury said, you know, kind of downplayed it. And, and again, teams are going to watch this game and they're going to watch the last couple of games. And we could see teams use that mesh rush. Um, but if you're able to run the football and get positive yards on first and second down, uh, penalties were down, uh, negative plays were down. So uh, what were your thoughts on, on how Kyle Murray um, played in this game where it feel like I feel like he was more confident. He made a comment that at the hotel he felt really good about the game plan and he was confident going into the game on Sunday. 
Yeah, guys were apparently a lot more loose, having a lot more fun. There wasn't like this weight hanging on their shoulders. Now, there might have been that weight from the fan base, from us, wondering, questioning, because there were a lot of questions about this team and a lot. We spent over the past, what, two weeks, MJ, most of our shows here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, have all basically been centered, I'd say about 85 90% about the offense, wondering what's going on. There was those five games, 30-plus points, 400-plus yards, and then three games, and you're like, what happened? They had fallen off the cliff. But before we get to the offense, I do want to remind the Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Craig. I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I know you, you mentioned it during the show and we continue our conversation. Folks, if you really want to get Cards Cover 2 in all the different podcasts, it's one-stop shopping. You don't, I mean, you can go online, but here you just push the button and it's always the latest podcast, the news. I mean, it, it's fascinating. It's like, it's like going to the website on your phone instead of going on a, on a computer. So I definitely recommend it. I use it. And when I want to go back and see when our show's posted, that's the first thing I go to is, is the app. So um, maybe you're not in Arizona and you want to be connected to the Cardinals. I definitely recommend it. And, 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 I, and I mean it because it, it, it's really one-stop shopping if you're a Cardinals fan. All kinds of great content. Darren Urban, Kyle Odegaard, Lisa Matthews, Paul Calvisi, the whole crew behind the scenes, azcardinals.com app for more information. All right, let's continue, shift our focus here on this Monday, a victory Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. To the offense, head coach Cliff Kingsbury, quote, we didn't adjust much, end quote. I said it post-game on Cardinal Talk, MJ. I'll say it again here with you here on Monday. I hear him. I'm not quite sure I believe him. Now, do we have to define how much of an adjustment and maybe we were looking for differences with this offense. We had talked so much about what we wanted to see and now we're looking for that. Maybe it had been there all along, just in smaller doses. I don't know, but what we did notice, Kyler Murray running the football, being very effective. He's not going to like to hear it, but he has to run the football in order for this offense to be effective here in 2020. Saw Kyler Murray under center. Saw DeAndre Hopkins move around a lot. It's what we talked about all week long, MJ. In fact, there were some of your keys to the game, but we wanted to see, and we did see it. Now, was it a lot? No, it was a major overhaul. It was a tweak, but there were a lot of little tweaks that seemed to make a heck of a lot of difference. Yeah, okay, so do you have, you have some of the numbers when he was under center? Ron Wolfley, Rob Fredrickson, yourself, everyone has been talking about put Kyler Murray under center, specifically on short yardage, goal line. And we did see Murray line up under center 11 times. Doesn't sound like a lot, especially when you're running 79 plays on offense, but there was 11 times a season high. The previous was 10 done both in weeks one and week two. Last week, he was under center only twice. So is that a major change? I don't know, because technically, MJ, it's part of the playbook. They have it in their scheme 
We just didn't see it a lot last week. But three times he was under center when it was first and goal. And I know that has become a big thing because when you're in the shotgun, you're five, seven yards from the line of scrimmage. And I'm sorry, that just doesn't make much sense to me when you have to go one, two, three yards, go under center, turn, hand the ball off, and let your running back do it or do a bootleg, which we also did see from Kyler Murray a couple of different times. We saw him play action, play fake. There was a little bit more creativity, and maybe that was because of the Giants' defense or the fact that the Cardinals were able to play with the lead. They certainly had great field position, and all of that was added a factor in what Kingsbury was able to call, perhaps, but it certainly was different and better than any of all that. It was effective and it worked. I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, also, Craig, the pistol. Do you remember after I, I watched that Ravens-Cowboys game and I talked about the pistol where you could still do a lot of things and we did see, you know, running backs together and it's, it's a way you can read option. Um, but he also stepped up in the pocket. Yes. And when he ran, he ran not – well, he's smart enough to know I'm going to get to the sidelines. And a lot of times he got there, so that's that's positive yards versus running around, taking the sack or, you know, you know, throwing the ball out of bounds where, it's, you know, it's okay to punt but lose it down. But he ran up the middle at times where before – we know in college you can outrun those guys. We watched it last year and probably week one. The angles that defense alignment and linebackers can take, I don't care how fast he is, they're, they're taking angles that he caught him. And I like the fact that he did roll out a little bit. Um, he stepped up in the pocket and made a quick couple throws, easy throws over the middle. And I was wondering, you know, what, what, what you know, maybe Larry Fitzgerald was able to see, and of course he's never going to tell us, and uh, I thought the spacing was better. Maybe Isabella wasn't out there and they moved Hopkins around, but they also targeted the middle of the field. We haven't seen that so much. And I think maybe it was because the batted balls and trying to find, you know, passing lanes. Um, and sometimes he drifts a little back because maybe he can't see over the line, but we know Drew Brees can do that and Russell Wilson. So there were little tweaks. And that's why I said, don't panic. You cannot change who you are. This is who you are in, se- in the season. You want to add stuff in the offseason, but just make some tweaks. And I think we got a chance to see that. And I show, I think the sh- uh, score reflected of how motivated they were to get this offense. They got – listen, they don't live in a vacuum. They know that, oh, there's a beat on Murray and Kingsbury and they're going to have to figure this out or it's not going to work. I mean, it was ridiculous what I was hearing last week. Well, put it this way, what we had been talking about and the complaints from people who watch, who cover, you know these conversations are happening inside the facility between coaches, between players. So we're not saying anything that is new to anyone on the sidelines, coaches and players. And yes, Kyler Murray is a lot more dynamic. It's what hit, it's what sets him apart, MJ, from all the other quarterbacks is his ability to move and slide the pocket and extend plays with his legs. He ran 13 times, but there were a couple of instances in which he started to run, saw someone open, and threw the ball, whether it was short or to the sideline or someone over the middle. And that 
is something that is different because usually when a quarterback starts to take off and run, it's head down and you're running. He kept his head up and making sure, to his own words, he doesn't want to run. But he does, and when he does, he is very effective doing it. And unless something changes, and it's not going to happen here in 2020, but the next step for Kyler Murray, if he just strictly wants to be a pocket passer, that's fine. Quarterbacks adjust as they go throughout their career. But right now in this moment here in year two, Kyler Murray has to be able to be mobile in order for this offense to be in rhythm. Yeah, because, you know, you know, one of our keys was, what well, I'll make Dan, Daniel Jones one-dimensional, you know, knowing he had a hamstring injury and he wasn't going to run. You know, Kyler Murray, that's who he is. And there's going to be plays where you're going to shake your head and there's going to be throws where you're going to shake me. He stayed in the, sat in the pocket and threw that ball um, where he was going to take a hit. But I also think, and this is just me, and people always talk about eyes. I think by moving Hopkins around, Craig, it allowed him to go through some of his progressions. And you notice there were times that they would have a running back on the flat as a safety net. Now, they didn't get a lot of yards out of it, but at least he didn't throw it um, over someone's head or try to run it. You know, it's more like, hey, take what they give you, just check it down. And, you know, I, I wish – I wasn't crazy about the Christian uh, Kirk call. You know, he, he he needs to get a better block there. But I thought Kirk probably should have got in the end. I'm not questioning the effort. When you get down there, you got to sniff it and you got to get in. But I think moving Hopkins around allowed him to kind of go through his progressions where one progression improvised, always on the left side. So, again, I don't know where his eyes were, but I could see he was, wasn't just zeroing in on one guy. And I think that's important. And I think you may, may, may have mentioned it on the show, what, seven or eight different guys caught footballs? Eight different receivers had at least one catch. And you've noticed that early in the season, when this offense seems to be at its best, it means everyone is getting involved. Now, you can win with a DeAndre Hopkins getting 14 catches, 16 targets. But when everyone feels like they're a part of the action, everyone is smiling, everyone feels good. And it just keeps everyone involved. You don't lose someone because they don't feel like they're involved. And all of a sudden, when you need them, they have to kind of perk up. Everyone is on their toes when the ball is being spread around. Now, Hopkins obviously is going to get the bulk of that attention. And he recorded his sixth 100-yard game of the year, first time since the Buffalo game and the Hale Murray. But what else did we talk about last week? You brought it up early, not only to move Hopkins around, but get him involved, target him early in contests. Well, he was targeted three times in the first quarter or as many times as he was targeted in the first quarter over the last three games combined. In other words, he was targeted three times total in the first 15 minutes of those three games. Cardinals all lost. Now, I'm not saying 1-1 one, one equals 2, but it just shows how much better not only does Hopkins probably feel, but this offense look when you get number 10 involved early in games and not wait till the second quarter or the second half. Yeah. If you look at the first half, he was targeted six times, five catches for 69 yards. And he was averaging about 14 yards a catch. He had that 24 yarder. Yeah. And, and Cliff mentioned today, um, you know, Larry, obviously 
you know, coming back from COVID and, you know, said he lost some weight, but he said he looked good in practice. Um, but Larry only had a couple catches. And, and I said last night, you know, Larry's about getting to the postseason. I think that would be the, uh, you know, cherry on the Sunday. Now, love to see him make a run. You got to get there first, though. But he once again, he mentioned, I, and I thought just having Larry on the field, um, you know, I didn't know Isabella was going to be inactive. Uh, I figured they would dress five and because of Sherfield, but, you know, obviously they feel like Keyshawn Johnson's maybe made strides and different skill set than Larry. So I, I would like to see them target Larry a little bit more in the first quarter too. Just again, it, it just brings some energy out there, you know, and when Larry gets a first down, man, they want to run back and get on the ball. And so you get that hurry up going. And I think they get momentum like that, you know? So uh, again, uh, Larry will take the win, but I like to see get him more involved and, and I really talked about the backs running, you know, Kyler Murray, we know is, is a luxury. And besides Kenyon Drake, but the fact that they lined up and he had 13 runs. So the running backs ran the ball 30 times. For 159 yards against the league's fourth ranked defense. Again, Bird Gang, this don't get misled by the Giants record or their offense. This is a good defense. It has been a good defense all season long. Look no further than what they did to Russell Wilson in Seattle one week ago. Wilson looked confused. He was hesitant. Kyler Murray was not confused. He did not look hesitant. He stood in the pocket. He looked confident. And yep. I think that plays a large factor in not only in how he plays, but also just the game plan as overall. But when you talk about him running, and this includes the three kneel downs, those are considered rushing attempts. So really, he had 10 rushes for 42 yards and we know the numbers cardinals are seven and one when murray runs at least 10 times they're eight and four when murray rushes for at least 40 yards or more so regardless of what he thinks the numbers tell a different story so keep doing what you're doing don't try to do something you're not at least not the rest of this season there's three games left to go Cardinals need more wins. You can't just say, well, you know, I can't run or I'm not a runner. Um, it's up to Drake and it's up to Edmonds. No, sorry, Kyler Murray, you need to run the football. No, and the numbers reflect it. And I think he's getting smarter when he needs to run. I mean, last year he would just sit here. I think he's picking his spots. Um, and if they're going to give him lanes, he's going to do it. I mean, uh, you know, maybe over the last couple of weeks playing that mesh defense, it kept everything inside. They weren't willing to sack him. And so he didn't have the same lanes. And clearly the offensive line uh, wasn't as good in those games as they were yesterday. Well, let's touch on the offensive line because that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle here because the offense can't do anything unless the offensive line is doing their job as far as protecting and an opening up rushing lane. Before that, if you're a fan of Cardinals Cover 2, and we appreciate everyone's involvement here on the show, but if you like what you hear, I invite you to also subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast so you can get all of the Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and you can do that by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. All of the information is on azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Now, the offensive line, Kyler Murray was sacked once, hit four times, but that didn't happen until the second half. 
His first sack was in the second half. Otherwise, he basically had the time and the pocket. One, there was a pocket for him to step up into. And then there was a pocket allowing Murray to, as you mentioned earlier, go through his reads, go through his progressions, look for Hopkins, look for Fitz, and then look to the left and find a wide open Christian Kirk or Chase Edmonds as the quote unquote safety valve. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we saw that a lot over the past couple of weeks. It was basically looking at the first guy and knowing I got to get rid of it because I'm not going to get another half a second. Yeah, it's usually you look at your number one receiver and then you improvise. And improvising, it's not – I mean, Donovan McNabb used to pad the ball, pad the ball, pad the ball. I mean, no, it's got to be a – you know, you got it's almost like your head's on a swivel. But, you know, again, he's got to feel the rush. You can't look at the rush. You take your eyes off down the field, you're toast. Because now all of a sudden and, – and Rosen had an issue with this. And, you know, maybe they didn't have the best line and the best coaches at the time. But he would duck, and then he would look up, and a guy was there, and he would throw it. And the next thing you know, there's a ghost there. So, but yeah, I, I, I we saw this earlier in the season, where he'd have a guy on the side as a safety net, and usually it's Chase or Kirk. We didn't see it during that three-game losing streak. So again, you're not going to change your offense. You're going to tweak it. What works, and it's all going to be based on. You, uh, the opponents, it could be different next week against the Eagles. They, they play a, a four or three defense under Jim Schwartz. So we'll see. Um, same, same like the Giants, but I'm just saying they have different players. So it'll be different matchups. The offensive line and you look DJ Humphreys, once again, graded out very, very well, according to pro football focus. And I believe if I remember Kyle Odegaard's story up on easycardinals.com, Humphreys right now, has played the most snaps of any offensive lineman, any tackle, and is also the highest rated tackle. And that is something certainly to be proud of if you're DJ Humphreys and you talk about a story of perseverance with a Hassan Reddick, you could very well do the same thing with the DJ Humphreys. Yeah, I'm so happy for Hump because, you know, he drafted at 20 and, you know, they thought it was cute to call him knee deep. And uh, up to this day, he still takes it personal. But maybe it was motivation, and he'd be the first to admit he was immature. Um, but then he, he, you know, went through different coaches. Um, but I think Sean Coogler's been great for him. Um, they believe in him. I think the entire unit does. I think it started last year. Uh, they're all on the same page. There's a lot of respect in that room. Um, but I'm happy for DJ because he's the perfect age. Um, he's really just scratching the surface. And the key is, Craig, he's staying healthy. Now, knock on wood. I remember the one year he had a concussion, so they kind of sh shut him down the last three games. That was just to maybe get him right. Uh, but we're not, and the fact that he's playing every snap, I mean, he played 100% snaps yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's and, and I told you a long time ago, and, and we, we had this conversation until you get one of those guys that are, is a pro bowler or all pro, they're never going to get the credit. And there's other guys that have graded out just as well. Uh, Beecham, Murray, Cole's been up and down, but he's steady as a center. And then obviously, you know, Justin Pugh went out there. He's been productive. So the unit, until you get one of those two guys, it's going to be, you know, oh, they're in the top 10. No, running the football, they're in the top three or four. Now, Humphreys was one of two offensive linemen to play the entire game. The other offensive lineman, Justin Murray, 
which is interesting and maybe a whole nother discussion here, but he started the game at right guard for J.R. Sweezy and then played the second half at left guard for Justin Pugh, who was injured apparently at some point during the game because it was announced that he was dealing with a calf injury. We have no further update here on Monday as far as how Pugh might be doing, but Justin Murray all of a sudden, who was a starting tackle a year ago, is forcing his way to become a starting guard here in 2020. Now, whether that happens or not, but it is interesting now that there has been more shuffling for an extended period of time, specifically at the guard position. This is this is another, you hate to say rags of riches, but this guy bounced around. Cardinals claimed him. He started 12 games for him, played in 14. And I don't know if he can play center, but this guy can play Basically, both guard spots. I don't know about the feet to play left tackle, but right tackle. And if, if you start to look ahead, you know, Beecham's on a one-year deal. And if they believe in Josh Jones is more of a right tackle, you have a starting guard where you don't have to use a high draft pick. And, and we know that takes a little while to get adjusted to the NFL and the blocking and three-year hand the dirt. So, no, that 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 was, a, you know, under-the-radar signing and extension they gave to him. And just like Max Williams, you know, until you they're not playing, you miss them. And I think we missed uh, Max Williams. But those guys, they gave, they gave extensions to. I know that the Buda Bakers and, you know, the other guys, you know, um, they get all the headlines when it comes to extensions. But um, those other guys, they're, they're, the, they're really the belly of your football team. The fact that, you know, we always looked at Earl Watford, Swiss Army Knife, and he could snap. Um, but Murray, I mean, the fact that he's been active and he can plug and play at a lot of different positions, that's a luxury. He had not played for that three-game, four-game stretch because of a hand injury. But since his return, he has been on the field and they've been moving him around. We'll keep an eye and ear out for an update on Justin Pugh because that would be an obvious move. If Pugh is unable to go this week, then you just plug in Justin Murray. Josh Jones did get four snaps at tackle because Kelvin Beecham was out for a period of time with a back injury. He, though, did return. So once again, when you come up with a back injury, we'll keep an eye on that this week. And then defensively, Jordan Phillips, was only on the field for four snaps, re-aggravated that hamstring injury that put him on IR, and he will not play this week. According to head coach Cliff Kingsbury, he's already been ruled out for the Cardinals game against the Eagles. Phillips was injured trying to make a tackle on Marcus's Golden's return after that strip sack fumble to begin the contest, and you could see Phillips right there, and he just tried to lean to the right to get in the way of an offensive player to kind of spring Golden free, and got tangled up, fell down, and we did not see him again the rest of the game, and we're not going to see him this week. Yeah, it's it's you know I to me when you look at the D line, considering Corey Peters isn't out there, I mean he's one of your better guys. I mean he's he's the reason why the Cardinals gave him a five year contract. Now normally uh, when it comes to the training staff, uh, by playing sometimes you can't further damage, but it looks like he did re-aggravate it, um, but he was cleared to play. Um, I did see, I watched him practice last week. He, he was in, uh, you know, doing all the drills during the open portion. 
it's just disappointing because that, that position is kind of thin and, you know, uh, you're, you're going to go against some teams are going to try to run the football on you. So hopefully sooner rather than later, but um, it's never good when you get back because you missed some time and, and all of a sudden you, you can't make it past the fourth uh, snap, but it's not, it's not on him. It's, it just happens. And, you know, those hamstrings and, and those uh, growing and, uh, you know, um, calf issues, people ah, tape it up, put a, you know, tape some aspirin on the outside. It's going to be better. They linger. And for a guy that size, it must be, a, you know, obviously a hamstring where you got to make sure he's, he's, he's able to go. Kingsbury called it unfortunate that Phillips got re-injured, although it should be pointed out he was only on the field for those four snaps and the rest of those defensive linemen helped held the Giants to just 78 yards rushing. So if nothing else, some encouragement as far as what they were able to do without their number one guy. And then, of course, without Corey Peters as well. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Usually get a better idea with regard to injuries come Wednesday when the first injury report happens. The Cardinals 7-6, and six, they snapped that three-game losing streak. And, uh, yes, it's certainly much better Monday here on Cardinals Cover 2. Now, is this a good thing that we haven't talked about the secondary? <laughs> no, I mean, I, hey, they were targeting Drake Kirkpatrick. You listen to Wolf and, and Pash, they were targeting him. He was outstanding. Patrick Peterson, did they even try to go to his way at all? I know I the one see, pass. Yeah, I didn't see much of 21, didn't hear his name much. But when you look at pro football focus, Peterson allowed only two catches for 31 yards on four targets. So he did his job. And Evan Ingram, the tight end, who was the Giants' leading receiver, he was held in check. He was basically a non-factor all game on Sunday. Yeah, and I thought, you know, again, Daniel Jones has been there with them. He's a high draft pick. He's he's their guy. I mean, he opens things up on the outside. He also is asked to block a little bit. But I thought Jones would target him. Just, you know, got to kind of get into rhythm, get, you know, try to get some first downs out. And so, yeah, that's something we haven't talked about this at the uh, – you know, covering the tight end this year. Funny I mean, how that is happens. Is it safe yeah. to say after 13 games it's it's improved? Absolutely. The entire defense has improved. That's true. And that that's the umbrella to where you're more of a team than having, you know, guys playing out of position. Certainly a lot to like in Sunday's game, and we'll continue to kind of break down what happened on Sunday and where this team now can build upon it to further cement its place in the NFC playoff picture right now, the team, a seven seed, but still they're hanging on by uh, a thread, if you will, because uh, you've got to be able to continue to win these ball games and starts next week against the Eagles. You know, I, I was looking at their receiving uh, Shepard, three catches, 35 yards, Slayton, three catches, 31 yards, Ingram, two catches, 18 yards. I mean, Hopkins had 136 yards. They had 145 on 13 receptions. That give the secondary, but give the guys up front. When you get eight sacks, it's a team game. They were getting pressure. They did a great job stopping the run, and those guys were plastering their coverage. Uh, we didn't see a lot of separation from the Giants receivers, and I thought the Cardinals tackling was much better than the previous game complimentary football and I think we saw that work offense defense and special teams very well on Sunday and on that note we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals always good on a victory Monday 
just makes the rest of the week that much better. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.